This week, we talk about Xbox potentially releasing big first-party exclusive games on PlayStation, both Sony and Microsoft potentially releasing their own gaming handhelds, Disney investing in Epic Games, and more. All of this tonight, but first, on to that beautiful Bean intro. Welcome to the place where PC and console gaming talk combine. This is the Orange Box Podcast, episode 18. I am your host, the man whose next generation features three very different SKUs with three different hair colors, Nathan, also known as the Frozen Gamer 87. And joining me as always, the man who will soon be coming to Game Pass, Justin, better known as I am Zarakon. How you doing today, Justin? Not bad, not bad. Today was was actually pretty good because uh, I got off work early, which I'm very grateful for. Um, and I even figured that, you know what, today, uh, just because uh, normally I've been having some car issues recently, but I decided, you know what, today I think I'll go ahead and just uh, walk uh, home from uh, my train. So that was a nice, you know, nice little walk I had going on there. So all in all, I can say not a bad day, not a bad day. That's cool. Yeah, this week's been another interesting one where there's been just like a mix of being super busy and not being all that busy, but eh, not a not a bad week overall. Um, got at least some stuff done, got some more videos put together and all that. So that's a good thing, but plenty more to do, so... <laughs> What have you been playing this past week? Alright, so primarily it has just been Power World. Uh, that's what I've been pretty much doing. I've been doing some more exploring, although I have also started to, as I've been leveling up some more, uh, starting to go and tackle some of these, I guess, arena type of pals. Um, mm -hmm. Just sort of like their own separate, I guess their own sort of mini boss fights. Um, I've done a couple so far. Uh, but so far they haven't been too bad. The one that actually I'm fighting right now is... I actually forgot that I had put some pals back into my base to let them recover because they had been wiped out. Mm. Uh, so when I actually went into this fight, I forgot to bring them with me. Oops. But fortunately, even though one of my pals uh, would not have been really too effective and the other one was just completely underleveled, I still managed to... Uh, pretty much beat the fight and I even nice. was able to well fortunately I remember to send one of my pals back into the little pokeball thing it's just so that way they wouldn't wipe it out and so I managed Smart. to catch that one so that was good there good 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 um and also I did uh unfortunately at the time I didn't realize that see your message about like how there was the problem where uh the game saves could be corrupted but although, coincidentally enough, though, today they actually released a patch that ad addressed that issue of the saves being erased. So, fortunately, none of my uh, my, my save file was not deleted or anything like that, so that's good. Um, so I've been doing some more of that. Although, one thing I will actually say another game I played, there's not going to be any footage just because this one was sort of a last-minute thing. Um, a friend of mine gifted me this game called Death Must Die, and when he sent 
it to me. He said, I think you'd like this. This is if Hades and Vampire Survivors had a baby. And interestingly enough, um, it actually does seem to be very much like that. Uh, you do start off right in the middle of action. There's not even like a, any sort of starting story. It's just, boom, you're right in the middle of a fight. And it do, it is reminiscent because you just seem to have pretty much like a timer and you must keep surviving as long as you can, like in Vampire Survivors. But like with Hades, you do get granted some boons that are temporary for that run where you can use certain abilities that blend in with your attacks. Although, like Vampire Survivors, you do have multiple characters. So far, I've only uh, seen two so far. I think maybe you'll unlock more as you play. But it is very... He, he, I, I do agree with him that it's a nice blend of both games and that gives you this unique one. Um, but I went to the Steam page after he sent it to me. I do see it's still in early access, but um, it does seem to be pretty far along. It's in version 0.6 something. So, pretty far into there, I'd say. But yeah, that's what I've been doing. Alright. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that definitely the uh, the issue that some people had with those saves getting corrupted didn't happen to you, because that would have sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I had yeah. that happen to me um, probably two, maybe three, maybe even four times on Final Fantasy VIII on the PS1. I got all the way to the end of disc three and my save corrupted because my memory card was messed up. And I mean, it's not like, oh, it's not like, okay, I got all the way to disc three, my save corrupted, and then I just went back and retried and then it happened again. It was more like, but after, I mean, there's like multiple times though that it happened to me where I'd get very far into the game and my save would get corrupted. And thankfully, I mean, for one, it wasn't like that was my first time playing the game, so it wasn't a huge deal from that standpoint, but it was still like I put this much time into the game and I had to <laughs> completely restart because I hadn't done more saves. But after that, I just started making sure that I saved my game in a lot more slots and with any PlayStation 1 game I was playing so that I didn't have that problem. But yeah. Never fun when that happens. No. Um, as for me, um, what I've been playing, there's really only been primarily two games. Um, but before I get into those, I kind of just want to talk about a bit of a bone I have to pick with Sony. Um, so, a couple years ago, and I didn't realize this until, until yesterday, they quietly removed the ability to transfer... Uh, PS1 and PSP games that you have to download through the PS3 only, transfer them to a Vita or a PSP. So you can't transfer it at all now. It's basically just, they set up like new two-factor authentication is required, but the problem is that neither of those systems are designed to work with two-factor authentication and the way that they have it set up to be able to sign into them is like you have to basically um generate a password with their website in order to sign in it's it's convoluted and it's a pain in the butt when you have to do it um but long story short i have two ps1 classics that are not possible to purchase through the vita store they can only be purchased on ps3 and i purchased them years ago and before i had to i mean i used to have them both on my vita but I had to wipe it some time ago because of 
various issues I had with it, and then, and now I found out that I can't get either of those games back onto my Vita. So, I, this is one of the reasons why I, I really despise the idea of an all-digital future, at least when it comes to consoles. Um, that being said, there may be a way to still get it transferred over, it's just that the only way to do it, as far as I can tell, is apart from straight up uh, finding a way to yo-ho-ho -ho it, uh, which I, I'm hesitant to do since I already since I actually own the game, I paid for it and everything. Um, the only other way that I can find would be installing custom firmware on my PS3 so that I can get past that little extra layer. Because it's like, I paid for these games, and yes, Metal Gear Solid, I've already played... I don't need to be able to play it on my Vita, but I want to do a comparison between the PS1 version on the Vita with that emulator versus on Duck Station, I mean on the Steam Deck with Duck Station, where it's, you know, HD res, widescreen, 60 frames per second, all that. So I, I really want to do that comparison, and I can't right now. So hopefully I can figure that out. But anyway, um, that leads into some stuff that I kind of dabbled with. So in the process of trying to figure out how to get these games transferred over, um, I found uh, something that I'd been interested in doing anyway, which was that they have like a homebrew shop um, for for games on Vita. And there's like a bunch of interesting ports that I would really like to check out. Most of them you have to actually have like legitimate copies in order to make them function. You need certain files related to them in order for the, the Vita ports to work. Like, there's, like, Max Payne, the, the original Max Payne. There's um, uh, Diablo 1. It's the same It's the same type of port that's, that the 3DS version is. It's, um, like, a specific port that someone did to work with both 3DS and Vita. Um, there's um, the, the original Fallout and Fallout 2 which I've been really interested in checking out, comparing those with Steam Deck, especially. Um, and I can't remember what else. Um, oh, there's like, uh, there's Doom 3, which I could get sort of started to boot up, but then it just it freezes partway through and or crashes. Um, there's like, there's a few of them that you can do without having to have the original game, like Duke Nukem 3D, which already had a Vita port. And I had played it a decent amount um, when I still had PlayStation Plus because it was a free game at one point. And um, Quake 2, things like that. But anyway, so so I, I as I'm going through this, um, I'm downloading various different ports that they have um, didn't get to try out all of them because some of them I don't have. I haven't done the background work getting my the required PC files or whatever transferred over in order to make them function. But what I did come across, which was probably the one of the more exciting things to me, is that they have that Metroid 2, the fan-made Metroid 2 remake. A, uh, another a AM2R, also known as an, another Metroid 2 remake. Um, and yeah, it's it runs great on the Vita, looks great. Um, I do wish it was in widescreen. I don't, I mean, I don't 
since I didn't play that much of the PC version, was the PC version widescreen or was it just full screen as well? Um, it did have widescreen. I know you can't, I, I believe you could adjust um, the resolution, just, uh, just the aspect ratio, but it did support widescreen. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to look and see whether or not there's a way to do that. Cause it seems like there should be, since it's, you know, this is just a, a port of that of that uh, fan remake. So, but anyway, so it was it was only in it was only in the four x three resolution, which I mean, it still looks great and everything, and I could definitely play it that way. But I mean, if I have widescreen as an option, I'd much rather play in widescreen. So, uh, but I only played like I don't know, maybe like 15, 20 minutes total. Initially, I was I was getting lost a little bit because I I didn't realize that you start the game off with missiles. And so I was, I was like, there's a, a door that I came across, and I was like, okay, this looks like it's a missile door, but I didn't realize I already had missiles to start. So I ended up wandering around quite a bit before I figured that out and took down my first um, Metroid hatchling thing. But yeah, so I, I didn't play a ton of that, but I played a little bit, and I'm not planning to get into it right now. I partially got it because I wanted to do the comparison. So that's definitely one reason for that they actually have like hollow knight on there and sonic mania and some other stuff that i'm like I'm very curious about that now, i haven't played <laughs> i haven't played hollow knight but i have sonic mania on switch so i'm definitely curious to see what i need to do to make those work because i know that they require having like some of the background keys and whatnot i don't know how all that works but i'll at least look into it see what i can figure out I'm really curious about those Fallout ports. Mm. I mean, I haven't played any of them, but I, I've had uh, the original three Fallout games, that is 1, 2, and Tactics, um, that I got free from GOG many years ago. I've had those for a long time. I just haven't played them, but definitely curious to see how they compare. Um, but other ones I did get to check out a bit that worked right away were uh, Duke Nukem, Duke Nukem 3D, which... Like I said, I had, I had played a decent amount of that, um, the original, the actual like official Vita port, and um, it's one of those games where I've never like fully played the original, but I've always I always find those old shooters really fascinating to to play just because I I love the visual style, and I mean obviously you know it's based off of what hardware could do on PC back in the early '90s. Um, but I, I, I love the idea of playing those kinds of games on a handheld, and I just think I think it's very cool. Plus, you know, it runs a very solid 60 frames. The only thing that's that I don't like about it so much is that it feels the movement feels a little bit too fast to where it, it's kind of difficult to aim sometimes. Um, I don't know if it would be any different on like a, on a different platform, but I definitely had issues with it on Vita to some degree. I, I what what's really annoying though is that I got all the way to the end of the first level, and like right as I hit the button to end the level, the game crashes on me. Oh, <laughs> and I mean it's not particularly hard per se, but still just irritating that it does that. And I mean I, I I'm definitely considering like at some point I'll just check and see if if the original Vita port, the like the official one, is still up on the store and see how much it costs because I wouldn't mind grabbing that if it's a decent price. If 
I had PlayStation Plus, then I would, you know, just do that. But I'm not going to spend, you know, the cost of PlayStation Plus because it's not worth it to me. So, um, but yeah, then I also tried out Quake 2, which another one looks and runs great on the Vita. Uh, the only problem with it is that that first level is so dark that I couldn't see where I was going half the time. And of course, uh, when I was recording the footage, there's also like a really bad glare on the screen. Um, and so it's like, okay, you know, it's a, a lot of the level is really dark and it's just hard to tell where I'm going as it is. And then it's even worse when there's a glare on the screen. So I did the best I could to get through the level, but I couldn't quite finish it. Um, but yeah, runs solid 60 frames, controls well for the most part. I mean, aiming is still not great with the stick because there's no sort of aim assist or anything. Um... But, yeah, it's another one that I'll definitely be doing a comparison with. I'm halfway considering checking, doing a comparison between that and the RTX version. But I'm not entirely sure about um, how well the RTX version will run on Steam Deck. Since ray tracing is usually pretty demanding. Even for an old game like that, I don't know. But I'll at least look into it. So, yeah. But... Uh, of course, the main games I've been playing, really, it's just been two games. Because um, all of those, I, I literally played, like, maybe combined one hour between all three games. Probably less than that. Uh, the games I've played the most, though, are uh, Dying Light and Sea of Stars. So, Dying Light is is one that I'm definitely, like, really getting into. I would love to just spend all of my time playing this game. Um, but of course I also really, you know, want to get more time in Sea of Stars, so, um, Dying Light I've, I've played, it's been a lot more grinding, a little bit of story stuff, um, mo more than anything it's just doing that, that thing I was talking about last week where there's like a, a way to quickly raise your legend level and, or like your survival level, one, one of your stats and, so I spent a bunch of time doing that, and then I actually spent some time out in the world and got some strong uh, weapons and stuff. And so, yeah, I'm like uh, chopping off zombies' heads with a single swipe of, of a bladed weapon and that sort of thing, um, which is super satisfying. Makes it a lot more fun to play that part. And, um, of course, it runs really well on Steam Deck. Looks pretty good, too. Um... I mean, it's basically running, I think, at just about max setting on on Steam Deck. Max settings on Steam Deck. Uh, at 60 frames per second. And, like, I, I booted it up on my desktop earlier to record some footage. And even though, of course, the frame rate is significantly higher, it's 120 minimum, um, it also... It was, it was a little weird going back to mouse and keyboard because I've been playing <laughs> with a controller for a while. And um, I also don't feel like it's adding a whole lot to it playing with mouse and keyboard. Probably just because of the fact that I'm not really doing anything that involves using like guns or, or anything like that. I'm basically just playing with, with swords and stuff. So, um, yeah. But anyway, I'll, I'll be playing that for a while. The one thing that's probably going to get me to stop playing it for a little bit is, or at least not have it as my main game, is that 
uh, Persona 3 Reload is out now, and I'll be getting that next week for my birthday. Um, that is my wife uh, pre-ordered it for me so that I could get the better rate, get it for cheaper. Um, I think like 13% off or something through Fanatical. Green Man Gaming didn't have it. And um, yeah, so I'm going to be playing that for sure once that comes out. But with Sea of Stars, I am a little more than two-thirds of the way through the game now. And it's definitely, for the most part, I think it's, I'm liking it better than I did before. It still just doesn't quite match Chrono Trigger in terms of, um, mostly just the combat. It's really just the combat that I don't like anywhere near as much. I, I feel like the combat is still just so much better than Chrono Trigger, but I, I do like the fact that it is its own game. And that even though it's obviously very heavily inspired by Chrono Trigger in many, many ways, um, it still, you know, maintains its own identity and isn't just a clone. I just kind of wish that the combat felt, uh, I mean, could be unique while still feeling satisfying on the same level. Because to me, it just it just doesn't feel anywhere near as satisfying. Um, but of course, visually, it's, it's great. Music is great. Um... Stories, not bad. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, Chrono Trigger wasn't necessarily like the deepest story either, but um, I don't know. This one, I'm just kind of like, I think by the end, I may feel different because there here have been some things that have come up. I'm like, okay, that's that's cool, but for the most part, I'm just kind of like, okay, you know, I'm paying as much attention to this as I can because I want to. Um, give the game as much um, attention as possible. I like to do that, especially with games that are completely new. You know, I want to listen to the music. I want to pay attention to the story. You know, like, really dive deep into these kinds of games, but it, uh, yeah. So, I'm planning to stick with that. I'm hoping to be done with it, though, before I play Persona next week, or before I start that. And what, what will probably end up happening unless something drastic changes, is that I will probably end up kind of like multitasking between Persona and Dying Light. Just because Dying Light is a good game to play like when I'm when I have a TV show on in the background. Or, you know, when we're listening to a podcast or whatever. Whereas Persona I wanna be like all in on it. Enjoy the new arrangements of the music. Enjoy the visuals. Just fully like invest myself into that game and from everything i've heard uh you can run it 60 frames per second on steam deck no problem um, you have to run it at low settings but i think it still is going to look good even at low settings because it's a really pretty game to begin with and i mean if it even looks half as good as like persona 5 royal looks on switch that's that's going to be great and i, I mean I, I know it's going to probably look better than the <laughs> switch version of persona 5 royal so um so yeah. Anyway, all of that being said, um, you know it's been good for gaming, and I'm, um, I need to record some stuff for my channel. Although I do have the Final Fantasy XII: The Zodiac Age video going up on Monday. Um, interestingly enough, I know I keep I keep going off on tangents, but 
So someone commented on my Dying Light comparison video today and pointed out that the timer for some reason was not correct in terms of the seconds. And like, I at first I'm like, that's that's weird. I mean, because I know I, had, I thought I set it up correctly. For some reason, Premiere, the way it's set up, I, I don't know what it is exactly. But the timer is basically going half the speed it should be going. So like... Basically, all the videos I've done up through Dying Light, those timers that I put on, are running. Are I mean, I have them set to be 60 frames per second in lines in line with the videos, but it's giving a time that's about half the length of the actual amount of time that's passing. Huh. So, and then uh, and so I messed around with it. I switched the timer's over for the Final Fantasy one to 30 frames per second, and then it was accurate. So I, I don't know why that is. I don't understand it at all, but apparently that's what I'm going to have to do going forward. So I just I just put I just pinned a comment on all my previous videos and said, hey, this is an error on this part. I mean, the time comparison is still about the same. It's just that each, I mean, like the things that are in, in the rare case, like, for example, Dragon Quest, where it was like 30 seconds for a time, it's probably more like an entire minute that something was taking and, um, you know, that sort of thing. Like, um, to give a more specific example, uh, what, the original, when I originally uploaded the Final Fantasy XII one, which, of course, wasn't published yet, scheduled to go up next week, the uh, it said that it was like nine seconds or like four seconds for a load time. It turns out it was actually like nine seconds. Um, or like the initial load time from booting up the game to getting to the start the starting menu, it said that it it was originally down as like ten seconds, and it turns out it was twenty seconds. So I don't understand why that is the way it is. It doesn't make any sense to me. I thought okay, maybe I just maybe the video um, was a lower frame rate because half of it was thirty and the other half was sixty because. You know, the gameplay on Steam Deck is 60 frames, and the gameplay on Switch is 30. And maybe that's why it's having issues, but it seemed like it's just a, a problem across the board. So I I don't know what, what's going on with that. I know that the video file is 60 frames, or it's 59.97 anyway. So, you know, rounding up to 60. But it's just bizarre. So, I since I ended up having to fix the Final Fantasy 12 one anyway because I found out that there was one one like little text box I had left on um, that was on the Dying Light video and it was like way up like further down the timeline so it's like I had like six minutes of black screen and then just like a full text box talking about me fast forwarding through the part where I was playing like a game journalist <laughs> and so <laughs> so I went I went and deleted that fixed the time thing so now they're accurate and then um uh, uh re-rendered and re-uploaded it and have it scheduled for monday so or sunday yeah anyway enough about that uh any thoughts anything you wanted to mention before we get into the news uh, yeah just a couple quick things uh i guess first thing it's very amazing how you can get all these ports running on the Vita. I think that's pretty great and it's incredible and a testament to 
how much life that device still has mm -hmm. um, even years later and even though Sony dropped the ball with it it's good right. to see that people are still able to pick up where Sony left and then I guess the question I had was um, for Duke Nukem can you adjust the um, sensitivity levels which could help with not really like I tried um, I think it might not be the sensitivity levels that's the problem I think the problem is number one I mean I mean I guess technically I could adjust it for the movement in general because I think that's really more the issues because of how fast I'm moving it's harder to aim but I think it's also just because mm -hmm. at least with this port there's no aim assist uh, whereas okay. I believe that the official port probably does have some level of aim assist, aim assist to it that helps but I don't know either way I'll, I'll look into some other options with that okay but Still, I, I just I think it's cool whenever you can run one of these games on on a Vita. I mean, they they have like there's ports of Grand Theft Auto Three and uh, San Andreas, I believe, and uh, maybe Vice City. I can't remember which ones. There, there's like a handful of different interesting ports, and I think that they're all for the most part based off of the mobile versions. So hmm. it's like okay, that makes sense. But I still think it's just super fascinating. See, seeing, you know, basically what our PS2 games, PS2, Xbox, <laughs> whatever, running on a little handheld like that. And yeah, of course, there was already that with PlayStation's ports over, like uh, Ratchet and Clank and Sly Cooper and Final Fantasy X and um, etc. But it's still just, it's really fascinating to see some of these games that you don't even think of as potentially handheld games that haven't been handheld otherwise. So yeah. Anyway, uh, anything else? Uh, no, sir. All right. Well, let's get into the news. So there has been some very interesting stuff that has come up lately. Um, first and foremost is that apparently both Starfield and Indiana Jones and, uh, and the Great Circle are coming to PlayStation 5. Um, these are various rumors that are going around. We don't know how much truth there is to either of them, but there's been enough attention, and Microsoft has not denied anything yet. Um, plus, Phil Spencer uh, basically tweeted out that uh, they hear people talking about this stuff and that there's going to be like a business meeting next week that they're going to be talking about all this. Actually, it's here. I think they said, so the 10th, I, I believe that's Saturday, right? Yes. Saturday, they're, they're doing like some, some event where they're, um, showing off some of these, uh, are going to be like doing some stuff with Xbox. I can't remember what, but anyway. I believe it's next week that they're supposed to be doing like a business meeting where they're talking about the future of Xbox more or less. Something to that effect. And um, yeah, it's it's definitely interesting to see this, this change, but I, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, it's definitely bizarre hearing uh, hearing these rumors and the fact that it definitely seems likely considering the fact that Microsoft didn't shut these rumors down. Mm -hmm. um, it's very interesting. The fact that these games could likely be going to PlayStation five. And I mean, 
I think there was even something else, like a couple more things that were announced saying, right. like, Hi-Fi Rush is coming to PS5 and mm-hmm. the Switch and stuff like that. So it's really interesting. And I think especially considering the fact that uh, Indiana Jones and especially Starfield were being touted as these huge Xbox exclusives, now they're just going to PlayStation 5. Although, for the record, though, I think it's great. Uh, more people get to play these games. It, it, that is if they actually do come to these consoles, mm-hmm. uh, to the PS5 as well. I think it's great, you know, if more people can play these games. Hey, that's that's for the better. Gamers win in that situation. But I, I do think it's really crazy about what I've seen so far with a lot of Xbox fanboys just going, Oh, man, Phil, you've betrayed us. How could you sell us out like this? Like... You're still getting to play these games, and yeah. granted, at least for Starfield and possibly even Indiana Jones, I mean, it's a st- it's going to be like a delayed release. It's going to be temporarily exclusive uh, right. to the Xbox. So, if you enjoyed the games before, why all of a sudden do you think the game is bad because it's on PS5? And on a similar situation, you know. If this does happen, all the PlayStation fanboys were saying, Oh, look at this star flop. Look at this game. It's got horrible graphics. And yet, if it comes to PS5, they're going to be like, Oh, man, look at this great game. Oh, man, this is so great. Thanks, uh, Phil, giving us these games. And also um, making fun of Indiana Jones saying, Oh, wow, it's a first-person perspective. It's going to fail, you know, just because they didn't want to be another uh, Uncharted clone. And then they're like, oh, man, we're going to be playing Indiana Jones in first person? This is going to be so cool. So it is interesting seeing both sides of the fanboy aisle just lose their minds over these rumors. Um, But still, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because if Microsoft is thinking about, you know, putting more games on other platforms, especially if they have these temporary exclusive uh, ex- console exclusives, then you know some people might say, "Well, what's the point of having an Xbox?" But still, if if say for example, Game Pass is still something that's just on Xbox consoles and like PC and handheld, then you know you could still say, "Well, you have Game Pass only in there." But um, if they bring it also over to consoles, which they did try to do with, I know at least um, Nintendo, uh, but I think Nintendo shut them down because they didn't want Game Pass on there or something like that. But uh, maybe they'll try again. I don't know. But I, I, I guess maybe for one thing, Microsoft might just be thinking, let's th- think more about how we can get as much money as possible while technically owning these games um but if we can license them out and have them published on other platforms that's still revenue in our pockets so maybe that's what they're thinking about i don't necessarily think they're going to be as some people would say completely third party but they are going to at least be willing to think about other means of revenue i mean they're already doing day and date for pc um because they see the revenues there and so they probably say to see the same thing with these other games as well. Especially since, in the case of, like, Starfield, they're expensive to make, so you're gonna want your money back uh, on those games. Right. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I, th- I think is very likely, assuming this is true, which I 
I think, you know, there's enough smoke and it hasn't been denied by Microsoft at all. I'd say it's probably true. And assuming it's true, I think that more likely than not, what they would do is, number one, of course, these games are still going to be day one Game Pass. So that in and of itself already gives more value to Xbox and PC. If you have Game Pass, you can play these games just by paying that subscription fee. Um, if these games are... I mean, my, my thought is that more likely than not, these games are not going to be day and date on PlayStation 5. Um, or, well, I should say, rather, Indiana Jones won't be day and date because... Uh, I just, I don't think it's going to be, whereas Starfield obviously won't be day and date because it already <laughs> came out. So I think that it could very well end up being a situation where Xbox starts bringing games like these over to PlayStation 5, but it's 6 to 12 months after the game releases on Xbox. So basically you have that exclusivity window, but then people also have the option to get it on Game Pass, but then those people who are not at all interested in getting an Xbox don't want to get Game Pass subscription, still have the ability to buy these games later on, but they're going to be paying full price. So, ultimately, this ends up being... Honestly, I think it's 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 a win-win for basically everyone, except for Xbox fanboys who who, you know, believe that their platforms devalued by putting their games on other platforms. So, um, yeah. Now, I will say I don't think that they're necessarily going to change their tune as far as whether or not they think these games are good, or at least whether or not they say these games are good. So, th what will probably happen is PlayStation fans will just be bragging about the fact that they're getting Xbox games on the platform. That these big exclusives are no longer exclusive and that they'll buy it just so that they can brag about the fact that Xbox doesn't have these games exclusive anymore and they can play it on their PlayStation. Now, I do think that they'll also end up enjoying the games, but probably more like enjoying them in the closet. Like, <laughs> refusing to admit <laughs> that they actually really like these games. And... Um, you know, they'll probably be changing their tunes quite a bit. Like, it's it's funny to me, so I look at Starfield, and of course, lots of valid criticisms. I 100% understand that, you know, people have criticisms, and I think that their criticisms are reasonable. But the thing is, is that you have someone like Dreamcast Guy, for example, and I, I've, I've liked some of his content in the past, but he's very much a PlayStation fanboy. And when he um, basically dogged on Starfield, I think, quite honestly, even though he has an Xbox, the only reason he dogged on it was because it wasn't on PlayStation. And yes, he, he may have played it, but I think that he just went into it wanting to hate it because it was an Xbox exclusive and because he's such a huge Sony pony. Um... And I think that that's, that's true for, for a lot of people. You know, they're unwilling to admit if they were actually having fun with something. And of course, like people who are just watching the gameplay, who already want to hate it. I mean, Starfield is not a game that demos well. You watch someone play it, it doesn't look all that fun. But once you start playing it yourself, 
it's a whole different story. It's just like other Bethesda games where it just has like an addictive loop to it. And it's something that I keep wanting to go back to, but I also keep hearing that sometime they might be adding some new traversal methods that would like completely change the game. So I'm waiting for now. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I just, I think that anytime these games start coming over to other platforms, it's a win for gamers. And ultimately, it is it is going to be a win for Microsoft. Yes, they're going to have to invest the money into porting these games over to PlayStation. But honestly, I don't think it's going to be that difficult. Because PlayStations and Xboxes are basically PCs now. They're just weaker PCs. With, you know, maybe a couple of custom things here and there. But it's not like it was back when you, know, you had the PS3 with the cell architecture that was its own, like, bizarre nightmare for developers. And, you know, it was difficult <laughs> to port stuff around. Now it's like, this is all x86 architecture. So they can, theoretically, it shouldn't be that bad for them to port it over. Not that it's going to be like just copy-paste, you know, car, save as, you know, control, save as, whatever. But um, it's, it's still a situation where I think that this is going to be ultimately a win for Microsoft. This will actually make it easier for them to keep doing Game Pass. And yeah, Microsoft has... An insane amount of money to work with so it's not like game pass is going to cause them to go bankrupt even if even if it's losing money which i'm still not convinced it is but this way they will have more people buying their games which means that they'll have more money to develop these games and then they'll still be able to continue putting out their hardware which, you know, just like things like their Surface tablets and so on and so forth, which aren't necessarily as big as, like, iPads or what have you, it still just gives customers another option. And, you know, people who are hardcore Xbox fans or just like what Xbox has to offer can keep buying the Xbox. And then um, people who don't want to buy an Xbox can buy the games on PlayStation or they can buy the games on PC. Or in some cases, they can buy the games on Switch. I mean, we could see Halo eventually making its way over to PlayStation. Which, quite frankly, I mean, at least with the older Halo games, that would be great because PlayStation hasn't had any good shooters for a while. Apart from, you know, third-party stuff like Call of Duty, Destiny, that sort of thing. So, I don't know. I would... I just think that this is a win for pretty much everyone involved. And I think that anyone who's doom-pilling about what's going to happen with Xbox, I, I think they need to stop worrying. It's just... It's not going to be as bad as they think it's going to be. And ultimately, I think this is just going to be beneficial. And, you know, I, I look at the way that um, both Xbox and PlayStation games have sold on PC. And yeah, not all of them have been great sellers, but it's still additional revenue that those companies wouldn't get otherwise from people who are not going to buy their consoles. So ultimately I, th I think it ends up working out better. And especially when it comes to these games that are no, are not compatible with the new consoles, you know, you, you, because PC gamers can continue to buy them, which means that, well, yeah, it may just be like a rare sale here and there, you know, you might just see, okay, this game dropped in price and, got a bunch of sales you know, got a decent amount of sales it's still 
extends the life of a game, preserves it a lot longer than if you, it's stuck on a console where you can't ever get it again after that console is gone. Xbox has done a lot better about that than PlayStation, but um, yeah, anyway, I've said enough about it. Uh, you got any other thoughts on that topic? Uh, no, sir. All right. So we have gotten some other potential uh, leaks. Well, I should say one of the... Technically, both of them are reports, one of which to me is kind of like... It sounds more like someone's just making stuff up, to be honest. <laughs> um, both Xbox and PlayStation apparently are going to be releasing handhelds similar to the Switch. Um, now, to be to clarify further on those, uh, with PlayStation, uh, the next or this supposed PlayStation handheld will be coming out in a couple is supposed to be coming out in a couple years is basically going to be roughly equivalent to a PS4 and um, some have suggested that it could potentially play some PS5 games um, I'm not entirely convinced on that one and then simultaneously there's also from an Xbox podcast uh, an, the Xbox Newscast podcast. Uh, one of the people... So, so, apparently someone commented... I don't know if this was just like a random person... Or if it was like someone actually part of the podcast. Says that the next Microsoft console is on track for a 2026 release... And that it will launch in two different SKUs. The more expensive one will be traditional console... Um, while the cheaper one will be a dockable handheld like the Switch, and it'll be created by the Surface team with built-in controls and a touchscreen, supporting cloud gaming, and of course being able to run Xbox games natively. So, uh, before I start getting into my thoughts, um, I, I guess let, let, let's talk. Let's pick one to talk about at a time. So. Uh, Go ahead and pick one, and I'll let, I'll let you go first, and then I'll follow up. All right. Uh, well, since we're all, we already were technically on the topic of Xbox, I guess we can just continue with uh, the Xbox one. So, uh, this one, I don't know how I feel about this one, to be honest. Um, just because, Grant, yes, Microsoft has... Uh, made two has released two different SKUs before with the Series X. You have the Series X and Series S, one being the more powerful console and the other one being a more affordable and uh, I guess budget friendly version. So on one hand I can understand that being a possibility, but on the other hand, Microsoft never really has has never focused on handheld gaming before. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, sure, with streaming on the cloud, with Game Pass, you know, that's one thing. But to make a dedicated handheld, that's completely new to them. So I don't know how I feel about that. Um, and, and I mean, granted, well, because it's technically, I guess, going to be an Xbox, it'll, it'll still probably use a similar modified version of Windows instead of, you know, being a full desktop version like... Uh, all these other handhelds but on that end it 
it sort of makes me wonder if it is going to be using well if, if it isn't going to be using a custom version of windows like with the xbox consoles are they going to be partnering up with anyone because you know asus uses windows for the uh, rog ally um, msi with the claw uses windows on and then uh other hand pc handhelds use windows so if they so i'm wondering like are they going to be partnering with someone or are they just going to be developing it completely in-house i think getting a partner could help them um especially if well especially if it's going to be well then again no no they probably <laughs> think about they probably will keep it like an actual console uh for lack of better words experience than not use an actual full desktop window so even still even if it is just a custom windows and not full desktop i think it would benefit them if they did have someone helping them uh i don't know who they would want to considering the fact that technically everyone else would be a competitor i mean even Dell with the Alienware handhelds. I mean, they use Windows, but still technically, I guess that would be a competitor, so they might not be partnering with them, but a lot of companies are doing their own handhelds. I mean, every every company I thought about just now, I was like, oh, Lenovo, but Lenovo's got the Lenovo Legion Go. I am... Nearly every PC company uh, that has made a handheld is already making one, so I don't know who they could get to help them, but I do feel like someone should help them just because... Yes, they have made their Surface uh, tablets, but I think a handheld, a, a dedicated gaming handheld, is going to be something completely uh, that they need to work on. And I mean, they could work with someone else. I don't know, but I'm also not certain if they'll be able to really handle that. Assuming, I mean, we'll talk about this some more in a minute. But if you have Sony and especially Nintendo already, you know, two, even though Sony kind of backed down, two big titans in the handheld market, excluding, of course, PC handhelds. How are you going to suddenly try to carve your own niche right in the middle of all of that? I think that's going to be a big problem for them. I'm not saying they can't overcome that obstacle, but it is going to be something that's going to be difficult for them to do just because this is their first venture into handheld gaming I, I i don't know about that but um i i do i if it happens i do believe that they probably will have a more powerful console like the series x was the more powerful console but as a whole i'm not entirely certain if i i, I don't know if i really see this happening it could happen but i'm a bit skeptical on this rumor yeah, so uh, first I, I do want to note, I did look up the um, the guy who, who says this is happening is actually the co-host of that podcast. So I don't know, since I've never listened to it, whether he's an industry insider in the past, like that he actually has ties with Xbox to where he would know this is happening. Um, if, if he does not have that kind of history, I would say he's probably just pulling it out of his butt. Um, but... That being said, but but, um, I think this would be a very smart idea if 
Microsoft was going to do this, especially if this play. I mean, if the, assuming that this PlayStation handheld thing is just another, you know, non-existent actual handheld, like most of the other supposed PlayStation handhelds have been so far since the Vita, then this could be an opportunity for Microsoft to definitely make a bunch of money because I think that this would sell for sure. Um, to Xbox fans, especially if it you know plays games natively like they're saying, that would be huge. And then of course, you know, being able to have Game Pass games on the go would be huge. Particularly for people who aren't interested in getting like PC handhelds. Now, I'm not entirely convinced that this is true. I still think this is probably just an Xbox fanboy making stuff up or, you know, giving an educated guess saying this is what he thinks will happen. Um, but at the same time, like I said, I, I wouldn't put it past Microsoft to do this. I mean, it would be, I think it would be a very smart decision because, you know, you look at Nintendo, they had the success of the Wii, then they complete had the complete flop of the Wii U. Um, as much as we liked it, you know, it, it was a huge flop. And then the Switch came about and it it's on track now to potentially pass the PS2, which is insane. I mean, to think that, that it could actually get that far because the PS2, its big advantage was that it was also a DVD player, which at the time DVD players were much less common, at least early on, you know, by the, by the end of the life cycle, it was, you know, they were very common, but you know, it's something where the PS2 had that advantage. And of course, obviously it was a great system, had some great games, was technically the weakest of the three systems, surprisingly enough, uh, but was one of the more well-received of, of the three. I mean, it's obviously, well, it was the best selling of the three by far. I mean, it outsold the GameCube and the Xbox probably like five to one, pretty much. Um, actually don't know how much the original Xbox sold, but it wasn't... I mean, I think the original Xbox sold better than the GameCube, but not, obviously nowhere near as well as PS2. But anyway, um, I think that this is something that if Microsoft is going to do this, it would be a great thing for them to do it. I think it would be smart. I think it would be a great way for them to extend their brand and actually be able to like really sell something like gangbusters assuming it's a good product which i think that if they're going to do this i believe that they'll put out a good product and i think that they're a lot more likely to support it honestly than sony with their handhelds because they've demonstrated all right well they demonstrated with most of their hardware with the exception of their home consoles well i should say Apart from the PSP, which obviously they supported really well, it did really, really well. Since the PSP, any new hardware that they put out that isn't a home console, they've just abandoned. Even the PlayStation Portal seems to basically be like they're just not even acknowledging it. Which is crazy since it just basically came out a few months ago. Um, but I, I do think if Microsoft does this, it's going to sell well. And it's going to provide more competition for that market, which is really good. You know, more competition means we get better products. They do things that are better for the consumer. And I could see Microsoft doing this, selling 
something that will probably be I mean it's it's I don't know exactly where they're gonna get as far as power goes maybe by the time they release it technology could be far enough along or at least they could um, use some trickery to make it roughly equal to the series s maybe I'm not entirely sure about that um, I mean it's it's so hard to say I, I think with some trickery I think it's definitely doable to make it feel more or less like a series s in terms of power um, you know and depending on the rumors how true the rumors are we've heard about Nintendo they may be doing something similar with Nvidia um, but anyway I think that there's potential for this I'm just not convinced it's actually a real thing and until Microsoft announces it I'm not convinced that it's actually happening if I start hearing it from people who are more credible leakers and they they say this is happening you know people who have a history of being correct about these things then I'll start to consider it to be legitimate but right now I'm considering this to just be rumor and speculation from someone who wants this to happen but has absolutely no inside knowledge whatsoever that's my guess but anyway I don't know what any other thoughts on that before we go into the PlayStation handheld I guess one question I do have is what do you think a perfect price for that would be um, for the Xbox handheld. I think the perfect price would be three hundred dollars. I think the max they could do is four hundred. If it's going to be that powerful, um, and I expect that no matter what they do, they're going to be taking a loss on it. But the hope is that by taking a loss on it, they'll be getting more games past subscribers and then they'll have a consistent source of revenue and they can theoretically afford to take a loss on it at least until it gets to the point that technology prices go down enough to where they're actually starting to make a profit but it's hard to say obviously this is all just my opinions I could be 100% wrong I've been wrong about a lot of things so I expect I I could be wrong, but I'm I'm just it's a, it's an intriguing thought. I will say one thing before we get into the PlayStation. Um, actually, you know what? Never mind. I'll just save that for after we talk about the PlayStation. <laughs> so, this PlayStation handheld. So there is an article from Insider Gaming, and I'm not sure if they're the only source for this, um, but. Uh, there's, uh, according to a known hardware leaker, Moore's Law is dead. A non-streaming console is in the works at Sony that would natively support and play games. Uh, this would be a, using a custom AMD APU that's currently in the high-level design phase and it's at least two years out. Technically, it's not even greenlit for launch yet. Um, the idea is that the handheld could maintain native backward compatibility with PlayStation 4 games while receiving a Pro-like patch for PS5 titles. And um, it's still apparently early in development. Things are likely to change. Um, whether or not this is even something that is going to come out or what the actual specs are going to be, it's kind of like a... There, there's, there's just nothing, basically. But 
Um, what are your thoughts on this before I get into my diatribe? Uh, well, I, I guess the one thing I, the first thing I thought about is why didn't Sony just go ahead and do this instead of the portal? Um, I mean, I, I mean, I've heard people say that Sony was just testing out the waters to see if there was a demand, but seriously, I don't think that a handheld that is tethered to the internet in order to play your games can really become can really be compared uh with an actual dedicated device that you can play games anywhere on the go uh the other one you might as well just be streaming it uh to your phone for that matter right but this i think is i i do see i do believe that this could be a thing it's nintendo I, i'm sorry not nintendo sony could be seeing the popularity of handhelds that are rising because you know they've they've definitely been going up because of the switch i'll say that much but sony could be going to get a slice of the pie they could be deciding that now years later they want to re-enter the market and actually put in some effort um but i definitely think that this is something they should have done the first place instead of the portal because what's the point of that thing uh i i have no clue but I, if this does happen, Sony really needs to just stop doing whatever they did with the Vita. Don't release any proprietary hardware. Uh, granted, if it is going to be something... Well, I, I granted, I think that now Sony should have learned their lesson and use standard stuff like now, like a micro SD card instead of using their proprietary uh, uh, memory cards hopefully well i i think now maybe i'll i i would imagine that they might not even considering the fact that with how large their ps4 games are they might not even have physical i i, I might even guess i might even think that might purely be just a digital uh yeah. handheld which makes sense um i don't think there really is a need for it just because like i said before with how large the game files are if you were getting a physical copy you would still probably have to just download a ton of stuff anyway so you might as well just do it so that way it's already going to be downloaded you might as well just save yourself uh buying the physical and just get digital so hopefully they'll at least have enough storage on the system where you know i would say maybe 512 gigabytes is pretty reasonable i think that that's reasonable enough to have to expect especially if they're going to be getting ps5 like patches uh you're gonna need those uh you're gonna need that extra storage there um it, if it's actually happening because this is still a rumor but i still think it's I, I i see this one as likely happening it will be interesting to see what the specs are like um down the road it'll be interesting to see if there are any certain things that are implemented like would Sony uh, implement any of the DualSense features? Like, that would be interesting to see if they put that in the handheld itself. Um, I mean, for one thing that I'm kind of interested in, what would they even name it, for one thing? Because um, Sony has typically... Well, they've always had a new, a different name, uh, unlike with their consoles where it's just 1, 2, 3, 4, etc., etc. Um, they have changed the names up, but... I'm interested in this. Um, it's something. I mean, I 
likely will not be getting this just because I, I it's it's not for me. But um, I think this is interesting to see. So, well, definitely something to keep an eye on in the years ahead. So I have to say, I think this is nonsense. Um, I will say, I guess I should clarify. I'm not saying that I don't think that Sony is necessarily developing anything like this. I just don't think it's actually going to proceed the market. Um, the reason I say that is because at least um, something I can't remember who it was that I heard talk about this, but someone has said that basically they think Sony, is, as far as they know, Sony is always researching these things. They're always looking into these, into different handhelds, potentially. This is not the first time that they've looked into it, but that doesn't mean that it's actually ever going to come. It's just more like, okay, they're always researching with the potential of maybe this is going to happen down the line, but it hasn't. And I, I just do not believe that Sony's going to do it, and furthermore, I think it's too late. Um... Not necessarily that it wouldn't sell, because I do think it would definitely sell. And I would, I think it would sell significantly better than the Portal does, or did. Um, but the main thing is that I just, I'm not convinced Sony would do this because just how quickly they've abandoned everything else. And the only way that they could make this work at least in a way that most people would be willing to go for it, is if they actually gave people access to their digital PS4 library. If they let people play the games they already own, then I think that this thing would sell like gangbusters. Um, but the I'm especially unconvinced about actually being able to get a PS5 level handheld, unless they just did some some wizardry to make it happen. Um, yeah, and, and the, the fact that the fact that it's just one person saying this so far, and then no, I mean, you know, it doesn't seem to be anyone like verifying that this is a legitimate thing. Make makes me very much question uh, this whole idea. My issue, at least now, I I will say. I think that from my perspective, this is too late. Like, as a person who, if this had come out a few years ago, I would have bought it, without question. Because I like the PlayStation games. I would love to be able to play my PS4 games on a handheld. The problem is, now we have the Steam Deck. Now we have an abundance of different PC handhelds all competing with each other in terms of price, specs, features, etc., and we have PlayStation games coming over to PC. And already, like, as it stands, like, I could play a few different PlayStation 4 games on my Steam Deck with the same or better performance than I can play it on PS4. And really, the only way that I could see myself even considering grabbing one of these is if it actually was at PS5 level performance. If it was at PS5 level performance, or at the very least, we could get a consistent 60 frames per second in games, then yeah, I would probably be interested. 
But even then, there still comes the issue that if I buy it on PC, I can play it both on my PC and on my Steam Deck in many cases. And yeah, so some games, like some of the PS5 titles, it's going to be harder to do that. But um, in general, it's something where it is at least somewhat doable. So... I'm not convinced this is actually happening, and um, even if it does, I know that this and the the apparent Xbox handheld, which I, I believe actually is more likely than the PlayStation 1, they're not something I'm going to buy, most likely. I mean, it's unfortunate because if either of these things had come before the Steam Deck was a thing, and they had been real options... I may very well have considered it. But between having the Steam Deck where I can already play, you know, all of my Steam library, or the vast majority of my Steam library, I can play PlayStation games that have come over, I can emulate old games, I can do all sorts of stuff with it. It's like, I just, I have no reason to buy one of these other than the novelty of it. And like, I, I'm... If the PlayStation 1 is real, I am super curious what it's going to look like. Because I love the look of the PlayStation handhelds, with the exception of the portal, which I just think is bizarre looking. But um, I love the look of them. I love the feel of them, even when they're kind of small. Um, and I would love to see what Microsoft would do with theirs as well. But I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's just not It's not for me. It's, it's going to be for other people. Um, if either or both of these are legitimate, it's going to be for people who are fans of those platforms, who don't have a Steam Deck, who aren't interested in PC gaming, they just want to do console gaming on the go, like, go for it. But I just, I don't trust Sony after how they treated the Vita and how they've treated all of their hardware that isn't a console since then. Okay, so I guess I, then I, I guess I sort of like would have a couple questions to follow up on that response. And I, I definitely agree that, um, that this would be too late for, but I think, I, I'm wondering though if it would just be too late for our perspectives, uh, rather than say someone who is completely, P, uh, I'm sorry, console only, like mm -hmm. someone who never would have any desire to even play um a handheld gaming pc wouldn't necessarily be too late for those type of people um to get like the sony handheld instead of just you know grabbing that even if even with saying that um even with saying like well you could play the games on the steam deck or the uh ally or any of like that do you think it would be too late for those people who just say like i don't care about that stuff i just went to pick up something that is uh, uh pick up and play um like a console handheld mm -hmm. like do you think it would be too late for those people no no definitely not i mean i'm i i do think that for for the people who um who are already fans of consoles and everything else and are like console exclusive they don't want to do any sort of pc related stuff and they, they genuinely believe that pc gaming is so much more complicated than console gaming and that console games actually plug and play still which it's not um <laughs> 
you know, for those people, yeah, absolutely. They'll, they'll be interested. And, um, I think the, the Xbox one in particular, if it's actually playing games next gen, like the games that are coming out, then absolutely it's going to sell like crazy. But the PlayStation one, the problem I see is whether or not it will be powerful enough to play the current games. And if not, how many people are going to be interested in getting it just to play their PS4 games? Because, like, yeah, I, I mean, I, w- I would love to be able to play my PS4 digital library. You know, like, I have... I, I'm trying to think. The, the games that I have that are not on PC or, like, likely to come to... That we don't know are coming to PC. Like, I have um, the Uncharted collection with the, the first th- the HD remasters that are 60 frames and all that. Um, I have... The two uh, Gravity Rush Remastered and Gravity Rush 2. And I think that's about it for digital games. Because, I I mean, like, I have Spider-Man digitally, but I have that on PC. And I can't remember if I have much of anything else. Like, I mean, I guess Infamous First Light. But just about everything else that I have on PlayStation is on disc. And obviously, it's not going to support discs. And unless... I mean, if Sony did something like super pro-consumer, they would make it so that you either pay nothing or you either get a digital copy free, that w- that'll never happen. Or, you know, say, okay, you pay 10 bucks and you can switch over to the digital version. I'd be willing to pay 10 bucks for that. But the problem, of course, being if I could already potentially get these games on PC and, you know potentially have even better performance or the same performance. I kind of rather just stick with that rather than having to buy a new piece of plastic. Even though I, I like, I, I would love to get one, but I just have zero reason to when there's, when most of my games are physical anyway. So I don't know if that answered your question. (laughs) No, 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 that that answered it. And I guess you also sort of, also answered the other question I was gonna have is if both of these consoles came out, which do you think would sell more? But you sort of seemed like uh, the Xbox would still. Well, I mean, uh, the reality is it just depends on what they play. Because if the PlayStation One will actually play the current gen games, if if Sony actually wises up and and makes an effort to make their games optimized to where they could run on inferior hardware. Or, you know, have some some way of doing trickery to make it run on inferior hardware and run well enough to where, I mean, it would be at least 30 frames, which, you know, is not ideal, but for a handheld that's more acceptable, then I think the PlayStation 1 would probably outsell. But if it's only basically playing PS4 games, then I don't think it's going to sell as well. I mean, it could potentially, but... I, I don't know, I just think that there's, like, the disconnect. You know, people don't always want to play the older games because they feel like they're missing out on the new stuff. Unless you're a PC gamer, which you have such a huge backlog that you don't care all that much. <laughs> and, you know, we, we we don't have to deal with generations on PC no. so much. So, <laughs> it's a lot easier to, uh, to not worry about that as much. But, yeah. That, that's, I mean, it's all my opinion. I could, once again, I could be totally wrong about all of this, but, yeah. Uh, 
All right. Uh, any other thoughts on that? Uh, no, sir. All right. Well, let me just double check here. I think the only thing we have left specifically on the list is to talk about this Disney taking, uh, investing in Epic Games. So, uh, you want to cover this story? Sure thing. All right. So it was announced, uh, earlier today that Disney is taking a $1.5 billion stake in Epic Games um, to work with a bunch of different projects. Some of it is sort of like Fortnite gaming, but their own sort of take um, and doing other types of, I guess you could say, uh, games as a, well, not necessarily games as a service, but just special uh, content based on their games. And previously, Epic did stuff for them with Marvel, Star Wars, Nightmare Before Christmas, uh, Tron, and then other stuff that went over to Fortnite. Now, well, I, I, I guess maybe I'll, <laughs> maybe I'll sort of save this here. Uh, although, actually, I will. Let me also add a couple other things. Um, the deal also is supposed to extend a string of major partnerships for Epic, um, because Fortnite collaborated with Lego to do stuff. They did stuff uh, with the Fortnite Festival with. The harmonics which made the rock band game so this is something similar uh that we'll see and primarily also one of the reasons is because of unreal engine and that those games you know are used by a lot of different uh companies and developers so that's another reason why they're partnering but um it's definitely interesting here um i guess i'll just quickly say this I i'm well, I guess I, I, even though it's something that they've done, I'm a bit, it's a, just a little bit surprising to me because of the fact that Epic Games is a public company that Disney, uh, you know, put such a large investment into the company. Um, yeah, I, I'm curious about, you know, well, I mean, I, I there might not be anything nefarious going on, but it, it, it's just, it just... I know seeing a, a private company just you know get such a large investment in it is just odd to me. Granted, I don't know if that means we'll be getting any sort of special games made. Um, like as far as I mean, I guess close thing I can see just because this isn't there was an Unreal game that had Disney properties, but it was like a Kingdom Hearts. I don't know if we we'll get something like that happen, maybe, but um. It is going to be, I guess, somewhat interesting um, to me just to see what's going to happen here. So this uh, Disney investment, honestly, I don't really know what to think about it. I mean, it's like Disney has a hand in pretty much everything these days. And I'm not really sure about what this is going to mean, honestly. Like, it's... Anytime Disney puts their hands on something, it makes me nervous because of <laughs> how much they've destroyed things. But I'm not really sure that they could necessarily make Epic any worse than it already is. I mean, maybe, maybe that'll be a challenge accepted kind of thing with Disney that those be like, <laughs> we can make it worse. I promise you. 
Um, but like, I, I, I don't know what to think on this, on this whole front. I mean, putting $1.5 billion, um, which is the biggest investment they put on anything gaming wise. It's kind of an interesting thing. The other thing is, is like Disney hasn't really been putting out a whole lot in terms of video games in a while, apart from like licensing stuff out. I mean, I think that like the only recent things they've had that weren't, I mean, that were not just specifically licensed stuff, um, like the Marvel things, for example, has basically just been like D Disney Speedstorm, which I've heard, you know, is is fun. Not really interested in it myself, but um, you know, Disney used to do a bunch of games, at least back, especially back in the Super Nintendo era, but even up through like PS2 and and so on. I, I don't really know when it was that they stopped putting out video games on a consistent basis, but honestly, I, I have no idea. <laughs> it's definitely a, a different situation for sure. Hmm. Yeah, I. Yeah, I, I mean, I even wonder why would they suddenly do it? Out of the blue, I guess as you mentioned, it's been a while since they've put out any major titles apart from their licensed games. Uh, so, why would they all of a sudden just put so much money into this one thing? Um, it's definitely odd. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really have anything else to say on the matter. I guess we'll just kind of wait and see what happens with this um double check make sure there's not like any any like breaking stories that have come up in the last hour yeah i'm not really seeing anything worth talking about at this point so i mean there was that final fantasy 7 rebirth uh, stream that they did yesterday and the demo that came out for that of course for ps5 Looks like it's going to be a pretty cool game. Um, I, I did end up watching the, that uh, presentation on it and had some cool stuff. I mean, I, I didn't let myself get too excited because it's like, I, I don't know when it's coming to PC. So I'm just like, okay, you know, cool. Looks like it's definitely going to be a lot more expansive than uh, Remake was. And I already really liked Remake. So, you know, we'll just, we'll kind of see what, what has or what happens going forward with that. I'm just I'm just waiting for the PC port announcement. That's all I'm waiting for. So, <laughs> but I got plenty to play in the meantime. I'm not really worried about that part. I'm actually kind of glad that it's not coming out at the end of February because then I'd just be like, oh, I don't have enough time to play this yet <laughs> without putting down the games I'm already working on. So, yeah. All right. Well, uh, any other thoughts before we close out for the night? Uh. No, sir. All right. Well, recommendations and dissuasions. All right. My recommendation is to preserve all of your uh, devices that use batteries by that have suffered from corrosion, battery corrosion, by using vinegar or lemon juice. Um, this is something that I only learned about 
last year, and I actually used this to restore my uh, Samus arm cannon that actually suffered battery corrosion. And I thought that I was going to have to possibly spend money, more money than I was willing to, to purchase a new one just so I could get to work when I suddenly learned that you can just use vinegar or lemon juice to clean out the battery, uh, the battery acid and get it to work again. And I mean, granted in hindsight, you know, this is sort of basic chemistry. You balance out your acids and basics, uh, and you neutralize it, uh, but it works and it works good as new. And I really wish that I had learned about this a whole lot sooner in my life because there are so many devices like old TV remotes, um, an old lightsaber that I used to have that suffered from battery corrosion. I could have used this to clean those out and make them work good as new again. So that's definitely something I recommend. Clean out your devices that have been taken battery damage with some vinegar or lemon juice and it'll work good as new. There you go. Yeah, funny enough. Um, so yesterday when I was trying to figure out stuff with getting those games transferred over from my PS3. I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll try and see if I can transfer them to my PSP. I, I pull my PSP out of the drawer. The battery's, like, swelled up. Oh, <laughs> and no. so it's like, oh, I guess I'm not using that. So I have to replace the battery for it if I want to use it again. But um, I, I didn't get to try it. And as far as I know, it's, it doesn't work with the PSP either. So mm. custom firmware it is. Um, anyway... My recommendation is uh, something that I had a couple days ago that is fantastic, and if you've never had it, it, it's very easy to make, and that is Japanese curry. Um, I have, I mean, I've never had, like, authentic from Japan exactly, other than, you know, like, the, I, I've only ever gotten, like, the uh, boxes of the, the roux, the SNB curry. And you can get it, you know, anywhere from mild up to extra hot, which isn't like super hot, but it's it's got a decent amount of heat to it, and it's it's good. Um, but that's always what I've I've used is just the S and B stuff, and it is fantastic. Um, very easy to make. I mean, it's just you have uh, whatever kind of meat you like, you know, whatever protein you have. Like I I like I typically will use either beef or chicken, chicken thighs. And then potatoes, carrots, and onions. Chop all those up. Cook them a little bit in a pan. Add some water. Heat it to boiling. Cook it for like 15 minutes. And you toss in the roux cubes and, and stir them up until it forms a nice, beautiful sauce. And then just serve it with rice. And so I highly recommend Japanese curry. Super, super good. Super easy. And especially... Something that I learned from Persona 5. Having black coffee on the side with it. Or just having coffee with it in general on the side to drink. Goes so well with Japanese curry. So, so good. That combination. Obviously not pouring the coffee in, but <laughs> after eating some curry. It's just like, great combination. So yes, that's my recommendation. Japanese curry. And eventually I'll learn how to make it from scratch, but so far I haven't been motivated because it's so good just using the the prefab stuff. But yeah, that definitely sounded very good and interesting. And also a nice little persona tidbit there. 
right? Have you ever had Japanese curry? I think I had it once, um, but it's honestly would have been so long, uh, long since I've had that I don't even truly remember how much I uh, had of it or how much okay. I enjoyed it. Well, you should definitely get some. Just, I mean, because you you literally just get a box of, of roux and then the rest of it you you all put together yourself. I mean, you know, cutting up the veggies and the meat. And all you're really getting is just the roux so that you don't have to do that yourself. I want to learn how to make it from scratch, but I just haven't I haven't tried yet because the the S and B stuff is so good and it's mostly fresh ingredients. It's just the sauce that's not. So. Hmm. But yeah. All right. Oh no, go ahead. Oh no, no, no! I was just, I was saying, yeah, that's that's pretty nice. That pretty much get all the in fresh ingredients. Mm. All right. Well, dissuasions. All right. My dissuasion is going to be: do not rely, and also do not primarily back up your data onto flash drives. Um, now, granted, this is something that I have been guilty of, something that I really used to do, uh, just because I thought it was a convenient thing to do, um, but and that's but it's something that I've gotten out of doing, and uh, because of the fact that flash drives, while they are very convenient to store data, um, as a long-term source, as a long-term storage, they shouldn't be relied on just because of the fact that... Uh, they could lose, they could become corrupt, they could lose their save information. They're not designed to work as a long-term source of uh, storage. That's why I really recommend it. I would recommend that if you want to uh, preserve something over a longer period of time, use a hard disk drive. That one is so much better to use rather than a little thumbs flash drive. Um, in fact, you know, that's also why hard drives are referred to as cold storage because they are uh, great and they're perfect for being used uh, just for having something that's set, set to the side that's not really being used too often um, but uh, the thing though is the fact that flash drives do have a limited lifespan um, you don't necessarily know when fortunately all of or pretty much all of my flash drives they still work pretty well even ones that I had back in community college um those still work but i know that for one thing uh if you don't use them after i don't know what the what the limit is uh, after a certain amount of years if you don't plug them in they don't get any juice they might start to lose their uh lose the contents that are saved on them um so i i know that's something that some people do and i really only thought about this just because recently talking to family friends and they said, yeah, we've been saving a lot of our uh, important files, backing them up to flash drives. And I thought about it. I didn't, that's, well, actually I didn't think about it at the time, but then later on when I really processed the information, I thought uh, I should have mentioned saying, you know, maybe spend uh, like say $50, get yourself even a portable hard drive. Um, you could get that for one terabyte um, have plenty of space that's something i would say is possibly more reliable than just getting a little uh usb thumbstick so <laughs> don't use those as a long-term source of storage they're great for you know quickly transferring files especially if you want to just move something from one old computer to a newer one but um just as a long-term solution 
try try not try to avoid that. Sounds good. My dissuasion is don't let yourself get triggered so easily. Uh, the reason I bring this up is because I had two comments today on my Dying Light comparison video. Where it's obviously these are Nintendo fanboys who are just triggered by the fact that I'm comparing the two when obviously it's going to run better on Steam Deck. One person's like, well, you know, it. I mean, it's not really fair to compare the two, but, you know, Switch still outsold the Steam Deck, you know, with laughing crying emojis, of course, and... And then another person just commented, and they're saying, you know, I mean, and they're just like doing an eye roll emoji, you know, after saying it's not really fair to compare the two. And it's not good to get yourself so triggered because, especially over a plastic box, I mean, the purpose of these comparison videos is not to show that obviously the Steam Deck is better. I mean, that's that's a given. We, we know that from a hardware standpoint, performance, graphics, it's obviously going to look and run better. The purpose of these videos is to show how the games look on the OLED screen. And furthermore, to give you an idea of how the games perform from one to the other. Because not everybody cares as much about having the best performance and everything else, or necessarily wants to spend the amount of money that it would cost to buy a Steam Deck. Yes, I obviously believe it's worth it but you know being able to do this comparison being able to see how they compare it's it's just a good way to know you know is it worth it maybe to get one of these you know more powerful handhelds or am i okay to keep just playing my game on switch or you know i'm considering getting the switch version but i already have a pc you know is it worth it that sort of thing i mean there's there's a variety of different questions that can be answered by simply watching this and seeing the difference in performance. And some people, they're just getting so triggered by it. And so my dissuasion is don't let yourself get so triggered, especially not about a plastic box. Yeah, there's, there's no intentions here. I love my Switch. I love my Steam Deck. I can recognize that one obviously runs games a whole lot better and they look better, but... I mean, the OLED does a lot of favors for games on Switch. It definitely makes them look a lot better than they would without that screen. That screen just makes the games pop. And it's one of the reasons why I, even though I could have grabbed Persona 5 Royal on Steam, I grabbed it on Switch because I wanted to play it on that OLED screen. I mean, of course, I also wanted the physical version, which was, you know, the primary motivating factor, but yeah. Just don't get so triggered. So that's it. That's what I got. All right. Anything else? Uh, no, sir. All right. Well, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on my channel. I am Zeracon. I A M X E R A C O N. So YouTube.com forward slash at I am Zeracon. I haven't done anything uh, this past week, but there are a couple things that I'm interested in talking about. One is uh, a more, I guess, anime-related uh, topic, just talking about how Funimation is discontinuing and merging with Crunchyroll. So that's something I'm possibly going to talk about. If not, um, other thing I'm considering talking about is just some 
uh, just some of Sega's uh, choices or uh, pub uh, publishing choices with um, some of their newest releases. So that's a potential topic I'll also talk possibly talk about over this weekend. All right. Well, you can find me youtube.com slash at thefrozengamer87. Um, I just recently put out a comparison video for Dying Light Definitive Edition on both the Switch OLED and the Steam Deck OLED. Go check that out. It's a pretty cool comparison. Um, on Sunday, there will be one going up comparing Final Fantasy XII to Zodiac Age between both. It's also a great comparison. Um, that's one where I feel like they're closer in terms of visuals, even though definitely it performs better on, on the Steam Deck um, because it's 60 frames versus the 30 that it is on Switch. But uh, great ports, and um, yeah, I just I want people to be able to see how these games compare from one platform to the other because sometimes it's just it's just cool, especially when you can have like these games that used to be exclusive to PC back in the day now run or you know exclusive to like a home console back in the day now on a portable device and being able to play on what is hardware you wouldn't think of as the device that would play it you know that sort of thing I just I just find all it fascinating and it's it's interesting to check out and see all that so yeah um, but then also you can check out my cooking channel not authentic but delicious that's youtube.com slash at n-a-b-d cooking um we just put out today the uh my wife's pizza dough recipe which actually is not i mean technically it's i mean it is her recipe and it's not because we got it from a friend like five years ago and we've been using it ever since um but it's a great pizza dough recipe and my wife is the one who recorded everything so you get to see her and not my ugly mug yeah, for the video and um, I also want, want to say anyone who, who watches these videos um, with the exception of maybe like the first one or two there's bloopers at the end of most of them so make sure you watch the bloopers because sometimes they're pretty funny um, it, it can be good stuff just a little bit of entertainment value um, but yeah it's uh, we're very slowly building up subscribers on that uh the gaming channels doing pretty decently i think i was at 38 subscribers ish when i started doing these oled comparisons and now i'm up to like 83 maybe 86 something like that so it's it's doing decently i mean it's still not much but i mean like i'm at I think I want to say over 10,000 views by now. No, it's well over that. I think it might even... I don't remember exactly, but I know that, like, my highest performing video so far is the Doom 2016 one, which has, like, 5,000-some-odd views, which is, is good. And I think that there's a couple that are, like, in the 3,000 range, some in the 2,000 range. Dying Light one's starting to creep up. I think it's, like, around 600-some-odd views right now, which isn't much, but... It's not as low as Borderlands 2, which is still the lowest at, at under 400 views. So, or well, I should say, these are the lowest in terms of the OLED comparison videos. My other videos, in general, don't have much of any views. <laughs> Apart from, like, some early uh, tutorials I did on using the Switch Pro Controller for PC games. 
back before that was like officially i mean when it was still just like in beta we're using that so anyway uh yeah i think that's about it oh um next monday yes monday there'll be my first pizza recipe going up so that'll be some good stuff and then i have a bunch of stuff i need i need to start editing some more videos to get them ready to go up in weeks following and so on and so forth so yeah all right i think that's all i have anything else before we finish for the night nope that's all for me as well all right well i am the frozen gamer 87 that is i am zarakon we are the orange box podcast and until next time eat a breakfast burrito orange box podcast out out